Let's pray, family. Lord, we are so, so thankful. Your word, it's real. It's living. It ministers to us. Free us up so we might be able to listen. Don't let my family that's at home with uh, distractions at home. Don't let us hear with distractions on our mind. Don't let those things hinder us from connecting with you. Don't let me hinder the people of God from hearing from you, Lord. Move all of that out the way so that we can just hear from you clearly. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's been a, a, a study that's been, that's been taking place. Um, it's a study that's happened for a variety of schools, a variety of kids, a variety of, of communities. Uh, one professor did the study, and he found some interesting facts. One that maybe you would not have guessed. I would not have guessed. This study says in 15 years of asking high school students throughout America whether in an emergency situation they would save their dog or a stranger first, most students answered they would not save the stranger. I love my dog. I don't love the stranger, many of them said. The feeling of love has supplanted God or religious principle as the moral guide for young people. What is right was defined in terms of what individually feels good. I feel good when I save my dog. I don't feel good when I save a stranger. It's interesting that that would be the, the case for high schoolers, you know, because high schoolers tend to still be kind of coming out of, out of adolescence, out of being a little younger. And when you're younger, all you want to do is help and care for and serve. But I guess in high school, you start to get a little bit of, a little bit of independence. You know, you start to forge your own way a little bit. You start to begin to base things on how you feel. And feelings aren't always bad, but sometimes feelings can lead us to a place where God does not intend us to go. We build our principles. We begin to establish how we make decisions. We begin to take action based on feeling. And today we're actually going to hear from God's word where God helps us understand that you can actually have a certain act. You can behave in a certain way and have feelings that encourage you, but still be actually operating in a way that's counter to what God desires. You can have right behavior and do the right feelings, but still have the wrong heart. So would you join me as we dive into God's word, would you join me in Matthew chapter 6? We've been uh, continuing in this, this series, this Kingdom Come series, this series about the Sermon on the Mount, series where Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to people that have said, I will follow you when he said, follow me. They jumped up and rolled. They said, for you, I'm willing to abandon my norms, what I know for you, I'm willing to, to go. And so now Jesus has these people that are saying, I'll follow, but he's now going to equip you. He's now going to give you some instruction. He's now going to provide some, some training wheels for life 
so that they can do life. And we have heard some sermons that have helped us understand that blessed is the poor. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed is the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. We had some sermons that help us wrestle with how to love our enemies and who has our attention. We also were equipped to understand what it means to live as salt and light in the world. And also what it looks like to be blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now we get into something that's supposed to be a little more light. Now we get into Jesus preaching and it's supposed to be a little bit more fun. Jesus now begins to talk about the topic of giving and everyone's supposed to be like, yeah. We're just talking about money, right? And Jesus has a, 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 a dart aimed right at our heart because no matter how cool the topic is on the surface, Jesus has some heart transformation that he longs to do in them and in us. And so in Matthew chapter 6, we're just reading the first four verses. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Excuse me. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Beware of practicing your righteousness. There is a, 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 an expectation. There is a, a, a thing that happens to Christians where we get changed. I remember um, all the time I would go outside, go kick it with my boys. We plan outside doing our thing. I'm supposed to be home before street lights come on because when the street lights come on, that's when dinner's being served. You got to make it home by then. I get back home. As soon as I walk in the door, I'm ready to eat. I start reaching for a biscuit because the biscuits was hot and looked good. And as soon as I reach for that biscuit, pop! What step did I miss, y'all? You better wash your hands before you come up in mama's kitchen. I don't care how hungry you is. There's a process by which I had to go and get clean. You see, the Lord in his love for us said, you come in his house filthy, but he is the one that does the cleansing. He is the one that makes us whole. He is the one that restores us and makes us clean. And so what God does is have you come in one way and then cleanses you up and make you another. And so we all become people of righteousness, not because of our intellect and our understanding, but because of our willingness to acknowledge that we messed up. And he's perfect. And with that understanding, he enters into our lives and cleanses us, makes us righteous. And so there is an expectation that comes with being a righteous replica of God. 
replica. Yeah, you, you are created in God's image. There's a, an expectation that comes, and there are these rules or these norms or these standards that God gave throughout time for how we're supposed to love one another and look like one another. One of them had to do with giving. Actually, many of them had to do with giving. I don't know about you, but sometimes I set my budget. This is what I'm going to spend. I'm, I know I'm, I'm in this lane. This is what I'm going to spend. And then they got the Jordans on sale. I'm not eating out no more. We're going to keep this budget right. And then McDonald's want to have fries. Buy one, get one free. You start spending in ways that you say you're not. And we need a constant reminder a constant reminder in order to be able to manage our funds because we can be led by our flesh. And constantly, the people of God are led by their flesh as it relates to money. Actually, it's not just do I buy a little something more. Actually, it's greed. It's where instead of you being able to have what you should have, I want more of yours. And if I got to break a couple laws, if I've got to ignore your humanity in order to get it, so be it. And so God says, not my people. No, 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 no. When it comes to money, not my people. So I'll have some standards. Listen to some standards that God gives in Deuteronomy chapter 15. And tell me, do you, do you see here some actions, but do you also hear some aspects of the heart? Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 through 11 say, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord, the Lord, your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Why do we why do we need to be told that again and again? Why? Why do we need to be told? Because somehow, somewhere along the way, we don't see our brother as ourself. Oh, bro, I'm sorry that happened to you. How are you, how you going to work that out? God says, no, 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 no. I've created humanity in my image. So just like when your physical sister and brother struggle, you struggle. And so you are to care for them. I remember my brother and I used to, uh, we used to talk and we used to be like, we used to uh, like daydream a lot because uh, uh, like every time you go into the grocery store, the lottery is just like everywhere. Just everywhere. As soon as you walk in this door, it's like super lotto, hot lotto, baba lotto, lotto lotto. Y'all, y'all know about lotto. Okay. So there's just, it's just everywhere. So we'd be like, well, man, look, if I hit for a million, what you want? 
Because I'm going to let you get some stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you if you hit for a million, and we would dream about if if one of us became rich, how the other one was going to become rich. That's my brother. You see, God's trying to weave into us. There's there's no way that my people should have some that are so successful and some that are so poor that the successful are not willing to help one another out when that's their brother. Their sister. This has got to be a part of the fabric. And and so the people of God begin to operate in this way. But at some point, we take God's plan and use it for our own celebration. We take God's plan and use it for our own upliftment. We sometimes take what God say and use it as a as a system to elevate ourselves. So you started having some family in the faith like oh you gave Roscoe $5, I gave him 7. Look how generous I am. Oh, you helped out that lady that was in need, I helped out too. Look how godly I am. Oh, man, I know that heaven is awaiting me because you gave 10 percent of yours. I gave 15 percent. Look how good of a Christian I am. Somewhere along the way, the people of God heard what God said as to how we treated one another. But somehow we start getting cool points for how we loved each other. The system got unbalanced. The system got broken the system got messed up so now you enter into this reality where Jesus is preaching and it's the people of God the Jews are now walking around like yep helped you helped you helped you I did that and there's an arrogance there's a cultural celebration there's a, an uplifting of your name where now it's almost as if you start naming streets after people because of how much they did for other folks. And it's not far-fetched that, that we can end up there. It's not far-fetched that we can end up there. I, 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 my wife and I, um, we went overseas. And uh, you guys as a church blessed us with a sabbatical, like the craziest, amazing trip that we've ever been on. And we, we went overseas. And, uh, and while we're overseas, we go into this community, and, and there's tours that help you see this community. So we go to see this community, and, and you know, they'll drive you through some neighborhood. Then you go through kind of like a, a shanty town. Then we get out, and we go through the school. And, 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 and I got out my camera, and I'm walking through the school taking pictures. My wife looks at me like, what are you doing? Like, like, like this, this community is a broken community. This community, uh, beautiful people everywhere. But you can tell there's a neighborhood over there that's nice, and this community is getting none of the resources. And in the midst of that, I'm filming the poverty. And she calls me out on it, checks me, and I'm like, oh, dang, yep, I was tripping. 
But I'll tell you how hypocritical I was because not too long after I saw some people go on a mission trip somewhere and then somehow they they get nine kids to line up for a picture with them while they're overseas like, cheese, look at us doing our 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 trip. And I was mad at them. I said, how dare they? And God reminded me, no, how dare you? Because you just had that same posture of not seeing them as your sister and your brother. And so when my wife brought it to my attention, I'm like, break down. And now I'm trying to talk to the, the, the tour guide and we're trying to understand the complexities of everything going on. All that to save family. How quickly we can allow our righteousness to be something that gets elevated and something that we celebrate and something that can be used in a way that God never desired, never intended. Proverbs 14, 21 just says, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous, generous, generous to the poor. Matthew 6, we're going back there. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. In order, that, that's, a, that's a key component of this. He doesn't say, hey, don't practice your righteousness. doesn't say, abandon Deuteronomy 7, uh, 15. He doesn't say, hey, I don't want y'all to love each other equally. He says, don't do it so you can be seen by other people. Dang, Jesus, I thought we were just talking about giving. I thought we were just talking about money. I thought this was going to be an easy sermon. And now you're exposing the true motivation that sometimes even in our even in our generosity. We can want to be on the box, on the box of Wheaties. We can want to be have our name go over the the top of the hospital moniker. We want our 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 name on all the backpacks, you know, like like sometimes we can want a little bit of attention for the giving posture that God calls us to. Be careful, y'all, because that, that term in Greek, that people in order to be seen, that term, oh, my boy J.D. been encouraging me. He preached last week. It's started going to the Greek. I'm like, I got to get my Greek back up. Um, amen, amen. But that term in Greek is one word, hypocrite. Hypocrite. Beware of practicing righteousness before you look like a hypocrite. Before you look like 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 you're presenting one thing when and actually internally you're another. Where you're not truly doing it for the purpose of giving so that that person could be blessed. You're doing it so that actually you can be blessed. Jesus is talking. He's uh, he's speaking to people. You got to remember, there was no Salvation Army. There was no FEMA. There was nobody coming to your aid when things went wrong. There's not even at this stage the Christian church as a whole. There are you know, we always like to say, no, the, the, the church is not the building. It's just the people. What well, is was just the people. It was only the people. And so when someone was hungry, who would come? When someone's home burned down, who would come? 
When someone had a, an issue, an illness, who would come? And Jesus is speaking to his people to say, you. I'm wanting to work through you. I'm wanting you to be generous. I want you to give, but with the heart that focuses not on people giving you accolades, with the heart that focuses on Christ and Christ alone getting the attention. Verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Y'all know this phrase, sound no trumpet before you. It's like, don't toot your own horn. It's just a phrase that says, don't, don't pat yourself on the back. Don't lift yourself all the way up and exalt yourself that you might be praised in these streets. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward. They get on this side of heaven the praise, but they don't get that praise on the last days. Jesus then is later in the book of this book of Matthew going to expound a bit more on people's posture like this. In, in chapter 23, verse 5, he says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. This is their posture. This could be our posture. Be careful. Be careful how you use the poor. Be careful how you take advantage of those that are struggling. I remember my, my, my boy and I used the, the poor to make a little bit of money. We was tripping. We were, uh, I think I told this story once before. We was like 11. And... Uh, you know, 11, you had two options. You could keep rolling with the, the $3 a week mom gave you for allowance, or you could start into the drug game and start running drugs. Well, I, didn't, I wasn't down with the drug game because I was blessed to have a dad at home, and he struck the fear of God in me, so I knew if I got caught, he was going to kill me, and I just was fearful. I also saw one of my homies get beat down and was like, you know what, I'm not with that life. Um... So the little $3 had to make it. So me and my homie said, okay, this is what we'll do. We're going to take our $3, go to Revco, um, uh, what was it back then? Go to uh, CVS, go get, you know, the little Kit Kats. You get 10 of Kit Kats, a sleeve of them. We're going to go to the Senior Citizens Complex. And we're going to say, hi, we're with the Boys and Girls Club. And today we are selling Kit Kats. One of them is only $10. Oh, these poor boys with the Boys and Girls Club, let's go. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not bragging or nothing like that, but I can say I never had a need. Like, my parents always provided. I, I, I've never experienced hunger, clothes. Like, I'm, I've always, and I know that's not everyone's experience. I'm telling y'all this to illustrate I just was greedy. The only reason I did it was because I was but. The reason why people's heart broke was because we were with the Boys and Girls Club, the club that came into the community to help the broken, to help the poor. And we were using that 
to our advantage. I've watched people use the poor as a resume builder. I've watched people use the poor to help them with political campaigns. I've watched people use the poor in order to, uh, to, to, to feel a sense of accomplishment as if they have finally done something good in the world. Be careful, family. God is saying, don't simply look at your actions, but I gave so much. But look what they're able to do because of what I gave. He's saying, no, look at your heart. Examine your heart, even in our giving, is our giving to elevate another because they are our sister and our brother, or is our giving so that we might be elevated. We had a coach at Mac Development, real cool coach, man. This guy would travel all over the world, but whatever happened, except one week, he would come back to Detroit to coach on Saturdays. And he and I were talking, and uh, basically, he was just real kind guy. I ended up um, uh, talking with him, and he said, hey, pastor, like, there was something, this was like when I was leading Mac Development as the uh, executive director. Uh, so, y'all, this ain't on no other executive director, it's on me. Uh, he said, hey, um, I need to get a copy of my tax receipt. Um, because I, I didn't get it in the mail, and for some reason it, it didn't get to him cool. So I go to go get the tax receipt. I'm like, hey, man, here. Wait a minute. Y'all, this brother gave thousands upon thousands of dollars to help Mac development. You would have never known it. Helping set up tents. Helping put out soccer goals, dropping off grub in the mornings, uh, staying after, putting stuff away, helping paint lines, gave, and you would have never known it. It was humbling for me because we've had some folks give $25 and they want their name on the brochure. You see, it's not about how much you have or how much you give. It's about your posture and your heart. Breaks my heart when I hear believers say, man, I can't wait to make it so I can give. No, you can start giving now. Some of the most amazing blessings I've ever received from this church body had nothing to do with finances. Word of encouragement. Support. A text, hey, pastors, letting you know I'm praying for you. Man, you don't know how on time that text was. You can give. But specifically in finances, I was encouraged by a worldly guy. Rockefeller said, and, and he may have been a believer, I don't know. But what he said was, it wasn't difficult for me to tie the million. It was difficult when I had to tithe $1.50. It was, wasn't difficult with a million because at a million, that means now I got $10 million. But it was difficult at $1.50 when all I had was 
You see, his posture for giving was one that, no, I'm going to, this is something I feel God's called me to do, to be about, even if it hurts, I'm going to give. And my prayer, family, is that we would have a posture of giving financially, yes, but there is so much more that God uses in the beauty of his body than just finances. You are a giver today. Today. Because you see the value in your sister and your brother. And we can't ignore that. This church has had a Amazing sisters and brothers walk alongside us. We got an amazing deacon team. Uh, um, I, we, we don't like broadcast it a lot and tell y'all everything that's going on. That, that whole concept of, of not allowing in verse 3, uh, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's basically saying like, like you don't have to advertise it. You don't have to publicize everything that's going on. And, 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 and we don't tell you guys everything that's going on. What, we, what I will say is you all love Christ and you are generous. And so in your giving, there's a portion of funds that we've set aside uh, for benevolence. A portion of funds that we've set aside to help folks that uh, find themselves in some, some difficult situations. And two of our deacons, uh, Elisha and Julie, about a year ago, spent some time reading a book and helping us flesh out like a posture for benevolence, for giving, for helping people when they're in need. I'm telling you this because you need to know as a church member that you have a team of people around you, an entire church that is willing to help you or help someone that you know should there be an emergency. You may not have heard me. I just want to make sure you heard me. If you need help, this church has set aside some money to help. Now, does that mean we paying cable bills? Does that mean that the, the shoe, you got the shoes and the outfit and now you want the hat to go with it? All right. We got a we got a whole process by which we we try to be discerning some things we've had to say. No, I'm sorry. We can't help with that. Sometimes we've come alongside and been a blessing. My sisters, Alicia and and uh, and Julie wrote this. They said, look, Mac desires to see communities transformed both spiritually and physically, starting with our own. The problem that we are trying to tackle, that benevolence responds to, benevolence is ready to care for if there's a, a, a broken problem. The problem is brokenness. The symptom is pain, and suffering and injustice of many kinds begins to surface. As a benevolence team, we recognize that the problem we are seeking to solve at its core is the problem of broken relationships. We understand that poverty at its core is not just material, but the breakdown in the relationship one has with God, self, others, and creation. God, self, others, and creation. See, poverty disrupts shalom. Shalom is, is wholeness, all things working in a beautiful harmony together, and poverty disrupts that. Sometimes it disrupts it in your walk with God. Sometimes it disrupts it with your walk with man. Sometimes it makes you look at yourself, and you don't see the way God has beautifully created you. 
And our hope is that through our benevolence funds set aside, we can try to impart love, impart encouragement, impart dignity building in people if they should find themselves in a tough spot. But wait a minute. We didn't develop a whole nonprofit to be about that. And 48214 Care is our even further reaching expression of benevolence. Stepping into the experience of people to try to meet them where they are with stuff. So, Pastor, you saying I can get money from the church and 48214 Care? Hold up, hold up, slow up. <laughs> But hey, we, we, we recognize that sometimes you find yourself in a very difficult position. And we pray that our posture as a church is one where you're not going to necessarily know what we do. Because we're not trying to advertise, we help this person with this situation. See, put them on Facebook. And then we help this person with this situation see. But what we do want to do every year when y'all come to the budget meeting and say, we set aside this amount of money for benevolence and this is how much we spent. Excuse me. Trust that people were cared for, y'all. Trust that they experienced dignity. Trust that we don't want to use them to puff up our own name. But know that we are grateful for your generosity because it allowed people to be loved well in a time of need and guess what any of us find ourselves in that time of need today you can be a giver tomorrow you can be in need and need to be a recipient and and let us see each other as equal no matter whether we are recipients or givers so some of us may be asking well pastor i hear you let me wrap my mind around what it looks like to, to give. I'm trying to understand, okay, I know my heart's got to be right. Where, if I want to give, where could I? I'm happy you asked. Hey, here's some ways that you can give. Personally, give. You can give as an individual. You can, through doing life with other people and understanding the complexity of someone's situation, you can help out. Well, pastor, should I give when a person is out at the grocery store and they're asking me for money? Yes. If the Lord leads you. No. If the Lord don't lead you. Well, pastor, I, I instead of like randomly giving to individuals, I prefer to give to organizations that help. So instead of me helping this homeless guy that I see at the store, I give to a shelter that helps homeless people. Praise the Lord. Another great way, another great tactic, care for people through organizations. Give through, our, through the local church, through MAC, as we have this benevolence uh, money set aside to be a blessing to people. Give to missions. Financially, people are saying, instead of taking on a job where I can count on a nine-to-five check, I'm going to go do missions work and trust that God will bring forth people who will give financially so I can do this. It's a very big leap. It's a very big, big step of faith. Give, support missions, support charities and nonprofits. Ding, 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 Mac Development. What you say, Mac Development? Yes, you can support Mac Development. 
And lastly, respond and give as the Lord would lead you. That's the most important thing. There's a, 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 a couple of people who've taken Bibles and they cut out all the words that said that were references to justice. Another person took a Bible and they cut out all the words and references to greed and money. And the Bibles almost looked like somebody just took them through a shredder, y'all. Because this posture of loving one another and recognizing how crippling finances could be, this posture of stepping into life with one another is so real that God laces it all throughout Scripture. I usually like to leave with like a, a challenging close from me to you. I usually like to leave with a, with a, with a story or two. I'm going to give you one, but then I'm going to leave with some scriptures. I'm going to leave with some, some, some verses because these verses to me speak more about finances than my, my clothes ever could. But I was encouraged when I, when I read about um, Charles Spurgeon and his wife. In Chaplin Magazine, it said Charles Spurgeon and his wife, according to a story in a Chaplin Magazine, they would sell but refuse to give away the eggs their chickens laid. Even close relatives were told, you may have them if you pay for them. As a result, some people labeled the Spurgeons as greedy and grasping. They accepted the criticisms without defending themselves. And only after Miss Spurgeon died was the full story revealed. All the profits from the sale of eggs went to support two elderly widows. Because the Spurgeons were unwilling to let their left hand know what the right hand was doing, they endured attacks in silence. See, family, you can have that big picture vision. You can have the understanding of what it looks like to love and care for others. You can do so in a manner where you might even take some attacks. Let's make sure that our hearts are ones that are willing to live sacrificially and not see our name be made known, but see Christ made known and him alone. See his name lifted on high. I leave you with with some scriptures that, that to me speak way better than any clothes that I could ever give. Deuteronomy 15.10. And, and this is a version that I don't typically read, but it just, it just sounded so good in this version. The New Living Translation says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. First Chronicles 29.9. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much you give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Matthew 5, 42. Give to those who ask. And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Proverbs eleven twenty five, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And our verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. I like this version. 
Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Father, you are, you are our great reward. And we don't want our lives to be structured in a way where we benefit greatly on this side of heaven and lose out on everything when we die. We, Lord, would rather have the inverse. We would rather be persecuted this side of heaven. We would rather endure criticism. We would rather struggle, but then be able to delight in your ways and receive the greatest reward, which is you, when we die. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for you have given so much to us, and now we get a chance to give back. We know, Lord, that, that you expect us to be wise and to be good stewards. But more than anything, Lord, you expect us to have the right heart when we care for others, when we love our sisters and love our brothers well. Empower us to do that, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.